Welcome to the Hospital Finance Podcast, your go-to source for information and insights that can help you stay ahead of the challenges impacting healthcare finance. And now, the host of the Hospital Finance Podcast, Michael Passanate. Hi, this is Mike Passanate, and welcome back to the Hospital Finance Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Mike Marola, a founding partner of Winning Strategies Washington a leading government relations firm based in Washington, D.C. that specializes in hospital issues. Mike has joined us today to discuss the potential return of earmarks to the federal budget and how that could affect hospitals. Mike, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Mike. It's good to be back. I always uh, enjoy spending time with you and your audience. Uh, We enjoy having you on. Um, Mike, for those in our audience who may not be familiar with an earmark or how hospitals benefited from them in the past. Could you give us a little history? Sure. That's a, a good place to start. So earmarks, which are also known as congressionally directed spending, at the most basic level are provisions that allocate a certain amount of money for specific projects, groups, or programs in a piece of federal legislation. Um, they were predominantly found in the annual appropriations bills. For hospitals, there were various accounts that members of Congress could include a line item for in the bill that funds the Department of Health and Human Services, but they also existed in various pieces of tax, trade, and transportation, water infrastructure bills, and hospitals to one degree or another were also able to take advantage of those opportunities. And Mike, they went away in 2011. Why why did they go away? Sure. Uh, I think there was real concern both on and off Capitol Hill that the process had run amok. Um, House Republicans approved a moratorium on earmarks in an effort to rein in so-called, quote, pork barrel spending. Uh, The effort was led by former House Speaker John Boehner, who um, made it a a point to never request an earmark throughout his long congressional career. Um, Unfortunately, there had been some very high-profile examples of what I'll term bad earmarks, such as the infamous Bridge to Nowhere in Alaska, as well as some headline-grabbing corruption cases like with former Congressman Randy Cunningham, a Republican from California, who took bribes in exchange for earmarks and spent seven years in prison. The ironic thing, though, is that in the years leading up to the moratorium and in response to some of those examples that I just cited, Congress had taken concrete steps to make the process more transparent and to demand accountability by members for the earmarks they were soliciting. Uh, For example, each member had to attach their name publicly to the earmark and provide a justification as to why it met an important public need and the goals of the federal program where the funding would come from. I think it's also important to know for your audience that earmarks did not increase the amount of federal spending every year. Congress would agree on a top-level spending amount for a certain account, say the Health Resources and Services Administration, or HRSA, at HHS. And then below that line, they would decide to earmark a certain amount of funds for certain projects. Today, the process for allocating the money is exactly the same, except Congress doesn't get a say in where the funding goes. Bureaucrats in the administration get to make all of those decisions. Okay, so as we intimated at the beginning of the episode, there is a potential for the return of earmarks. Why is that? I think the simplest explanation is that the current system is actually worse than what Congress attempted to reform. Um, Elected leaders have lost the ability to make spending decisions to bureaucrats and political appointees, which has really reduced transparency, damaged accountability, and raised questions about how agencies are selecting projects. 
For example, a, a recent government accounting accountability office uh, or GAO report found that the Transportation Department had not documented key decisions deviating from established procedures and internal controls when awarding competitive grants. The GAO also noted that these grants raised questions about the integrity of the selection process. So before the earmark ban, they were at least publicly um, debated on the House uh, and Senate floors. They could be critiqued by uh, members and, uh, and by the media. But today, agencies are really doling out grants with no objective criteria, and no one can challenge the selection of projects. Um, I'm sure your audience is also well aware that the legislative uh, gridlock level in Washington is at its highest level ever. Uh, and since Congress gave up earmarks, the, the wheels of the legislative process have nearly ground to a halt. And while earmarks are not a cure-all for this, they do provide a common reason for members to support legislation overall, helping the process run far more efficiently than it has since the ban was enacted. And additionally, and specific to hospitals, because federal health care programs are largely restricted to advanced research, which can only be carried out by large and sophisticated academic medical centers, community hospitals are often completely left behind when it comes to federal funding, so earmarks can help level that playing field. And from the perspective of rural areas and hospitals, federal formula funds and programs often favor um, more populated urban centers. So the ability to direct spending by Congress would advance the interests of rural areas and small towns as well. Mike, has Congress released any type of guidance regarding how a new earmark process might work? Yes. Uh, congressional leaders have confirmed that any return to earmarks would include, at a minimum, a requirement that members publicly disclose earmarks they're seeking and on behalf of whom, um, a prohibition on for-profit entities seeking or benefiting from earmarks. And they always add the caveat that they could add additional limits and requirements, uh, you know, sort of to be determined. So we expect to know more uh, after the dust settles um, after the midterm elections on November 6th. What do we not yet know about that proposed process? Sure. Well, we don't know exactly what entities would be eligible for earmarks, although we strongly suspect that it will focus on nonprofit and public entities, um, or specifically what kinds of projects, initiatives, and funding needs um, you know, could be supported by them. We also don't know which existing or new pots of funding will be eligible for earmarks and how expansive those opportunities might be. Mike, what should hospitals be doing now to prepare for this potential opportunity? Sure. Well, I think there's a really strong likelihood that the process of submitting requests for federal fiscal year 2020 will occur in a highly truncated window of time in the first quarter of 2019 possibly with committee deadlines as early as February 2019. So even with all the unknowns, if one of your hospitals wants to seek earmark funds, the time to start is now. And the types of things they need to consider are the following. There's a few, uh, a few items to keep in mind. You know, their member of Congress is going to have to put their name on the request. So does it meet the highest test of public good and use of taxpayer funds? And would the hospital be willing to publicly defend the request? Um, two, does it serve you and only you, or does it serve a broader constituency? Does it force a member to play Solomon among valued constituents, or does it allow 
your member to make a significant and unique difference in an area of key interest to them and service to their constituents? Um, is it a local, state, regional, or federal priority or model program that can be learned from and replicated across the country? And are there funds otherwise available through programmatic, formula, reimbursement, or competitive funding sources for the same activity? And if so, has the hospital sought those sources of funding and with what outcome? So this is the kind of information they should start to be putting together. That's great. Um, are there any other considerations around federal funding that our audience should be paying attention to? Well, just to keep in mind that if they do return, we're convinced there's going to be a feeding frenzy around these funds. So members are likely to get hundreds of requests for funding from hundreds of worthy constituencies. So hospitals need to make sure that the requests stand out, meet all the tests that we've talked about, and secure the greatest degree of enthusiasm and support from their elected members. You know, I think it's also worth mentioning that uh, federal fiscal year 19, which started on October 1, represents a unique opportunity where significant um, competitive funding resources were in place at the beginning of the fiscal year, usually because of the, the budget breakdown, Congress doesn't get to, uh, to finish the annual appropriations process till December or even uh, January, which is well into the fiscal year um, for a variety of reasons that they got their act together this year and, and most of the budget is in place. Um, and this budget allowed for significant increases in health care um, funding. So there is a, there's a significant amount of competitive dollars out there as well. And so I would just encourage your hospitals to not lose sight of that, that you know, 99% of, of federal dollars, even if your marks return, are going to flow through this programmatic process. And so they should um, consider pursuing and, and looking at those types of opportunities as well. And if you're in a leadership position at a hospital and you're, you're thinking about earmarks uh, and you're interested in learning how you can position an earmark request, uh, feel free to email us at update at Bessler.com and we'd be happy to have that conversation with you. Mike Marola, thanks so much again for joining us today on the Hospital Finance Podcast. Thanks, Mike. Be well. If you have a topic that you'd like us to discuss on the Hospital Finance Podcast or if you'd like to be a guest, drop us a line at update at Bessler.com. This concludes today's episode of the Hospital Finance Podcast. For show notes and additional resources to help you protect and enhance revenue at your hospital, visit Bessler.com forward slash podcasts. The Hospital Finance Podcast is a production of Bessler. Smart about revenue, tenacious about results.